Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's get into the message today. Uh, We've been doing a series called Letters from a Friend. How many have been enjoying that so far? And what we've been doing is really looking into the letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and, and looking at, you know, the Apostle John and really what he was saying to the church. He was dealing with so much during this time. I mean, we, we had these, these people who were infiltrating the church and they were bringing false doctrine. And so, you know, of course, we see that the Apostle John, he's kind of fiery. He's kind of a little bit on edge because... He's saying, I walked with Jesus, I talked with Jesus, I spent three and a half years of ministry with him, and then the past, you know, six, seven, eight decades following Jesus, uh, you know, spirit, him living through me, and now you're bringing things in that are saying we need more than Jesus. And so as a grandfather in his 70s, possibly some scholars believe maybe 80s, he really has an issue. He's taking issue with what's going on in the church. And so it's a very abrupt letter, and he's just really getting right to the point. And so, you know, we've looked at a lot of different things here, but we kind of see this this overwhelming idea of let's not make it more than Jesus. Let's not make it less than Jesus. Let's make this about a lifestyle of love and loving others. And so today what I want to do is I want to continue in that. I, I believe that this letter was written over 2,000 years ago. And, and, you know, when this letter was written, it wasn't written to us. How many, did, how many know we didn't receive this in the mailbox or our email? But I believe it's written for us. Because I, I really believe that we have some of the same issues. You ever notice this, that times have changed a lot, yet in some ways they haven't? And so we still deal with some of the same issues in life. We still deal, even as a church, with some of these same issues that John was talking about. So he, he keeps coming back to some central themes of the gospel and really encouraging the church to embrace the simplicity of following Jesus, to embrace the truth of who they are and whose they are. So again, I want to continue today in First John. Let's look at chapter 2. Chapter 2. And hopefully you can follow along in your version app with us there on Facebook Live. We're going to start with verse 3. Listen closely to these next few verses. He says, this is how we know that we know him. Now stop there for a second. The Apostle John saying, this is how we know that we know Jesus. This is how we know that we understand the heart of the Father. Look at this. The one who claims I know him. Oh, sorry, go back to three. He says, this is how we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Now, I want you to pick up on this. We know that you know him if you keep his commandments. You follow me so far? Verse four, the one who claims I know him while not keeping his commandments, now listen to this, is a liar. (laughs) Well, tell us what you really think, Grandpa John. Look at this. He's a liar, and the truth is not in this person. Now, we're going somewhere. No condemnation this morning. We're going to clear some things up. But you can see John's pretty fiery here. He's calling people liars and says the truth isn't in you. Look at this. But the love of God is truly perfected in whoever keeps his word. Whose word? Jesus. Jesus. His commands, right? Look at this. This is how we know we are in him. 
Verse 6, the one who claims to remain in him ought to live in the same way as he, speaking of Jesus, lived. Strong words, aren't they? But I want to break this down a little bit today. Today's message is entitled, Liars or Lovers? Say that with me, Liars or Lovers? I thought I would just go with the theme, you know, let's, let's just run with this thing. And, and, uh, you know, at first when you hear this, I know you're a little bit scared, like liars and what's going on. I'm at, I went to church and they, I was called a liar. You're not being called a liar, but John in his letter is saying, if you're, if you're living any other way other than the way of Jesus, if you're not being obedient to his commands, then you're just living a lie. Now, what's interesting, if you look at this word liar, you could translate it also as false or false man. So what he's saying is, he's saying if, if you claim you know him while not keeping his commands, you are living falsely. In fact, he goes on to say, in the truth, that word actually could be translated reality or reality of who you are is not there. Now, how often do we talk about this in church? I mean, almost every week I talk about this identity thing. It's about really truly understanding your identity in Christ. When you understand your identity in Christ, you just, you operate different in life. You say different things. You, you, you act differently. You treat people differently. You treat them in love. Imagine that. And so it all comes down to this. And so John's identifying this. He's saying, listen, don't be a liar. Don't be a false representation of who you truly are. Because if you are, the reality of who you are, you're not showing forth. Is this making sense? So we see a lot of talk here about keeping his word. We see a lot of talk here about keeping his commandments. So it really brings up this question, the all-important question that Grandpa John is asking here, right? What does keeping his commands really mean? You ever thought about that? What does keeping his commands really mean? Now, one thing that's really interesting, kind of a side note, scholars believe that the word kept or we could say keeping here, is one of John's most used and cherished words. He loves the word keep. Now, if John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's how he referred to himself, if John, who I believe really understood the heart of Father and understood love, understood the grace of God, if he loved the word keep, then here's a question. Is keep a threatening word or is it reassuring? Because for me, growing up, certain phases in my life, when I would see you must keep my commandments, it felt like a threat. It felt like a to-do list was just rolled out. It felt like, uh uh-oh, I better make sure I'm on my P's and Q's. Anyone here feel like that? Now, are there things to do in the kingdom? Absolutely. I mean, God has, this is what's beautiful. Every single one of us is necessary and needed. Every single one of us has gifts and fruit and good works put in us, right? They were put there in advance, the scriptures tell us, so that we should walk them out. So there's a reason they're there. So I know that we're a grace church, man. We're full of grace and love and listen, come as you are. And, and you know what? Whatever baggage you have, listen, most of us, we have more baggage than Detroit Metro. I understand that. But... It's not about that so much as it is allowing that fruit to work out of your life. It's realizing who you are. It's identifying who you are. But again, scholars believe that this word keep was so cherished by John. So to you, is this word keep threatening 
or is it reassuring? Now let's just look at the definition in the original language. The word keep means this, to observe, say to observe. To watch, say to watch. Now look at this, it means to take care, I love this, or treasure with great attention. Think about the relationship that I have with my kids. Now, these relationships have morphed into different ways. I mean, my nine going on 10-year-old, Aiden, and I have maybe a different type of relationship than Ethan, my 16-year-old. Or Jonathan, my, is he 28 or 29? He's going to be 30. That's okay. I, I don't believe that. There's no way. Or, or Bianca, Bianca, are you watching now in Georgia, in Louisiana? You live in Georgia now? No, she lives in Louisiana, Dad. But you know, I have different relationships with each one as they go through phases in life. But I found this, that when they understand my heart toward them, when they understand that I have this love relationship with them, when I say to do something, I'm literally saying, will you keep my commandment, Right? Whether it's, will you take out the garbage? Could you come over and take care of this? Could you do that? When there's a love relationship, it's not like, oh, I have to do this. I love this definition. It's to treasure with great attention. Oh, I I hear what you're saying. Especially as they get older and you start to discuss like life with them, like real life. Like they move out and they're like, oh my gosh, like I have bills and stuff. And like life's different than what, yeah, it is. And then you have these conversations and you can tell when they're, when they're cherishing or they're taking care of or, or they treasure with great attention what you're saying. See, this is what he's saying. He's saying when you keep, when you follow what Jesus is saying and you're taking care of and you're treasuring what he's saying with great attention, that's what keep means. A little different than just do it or else, right? But the word command, this is huge. And I want you to listen closely because it's kind of wordy. But I mean, the original language is beautiful. Listen, the word command means this. The conclusion of an act or state. It's literally the result. And listen to this, big words of beautiful. The ultimate or prophetic purpose. See, this makes me think about why did Jesus inhabit human flesh? Why did he show up on planet earth? What was the ultimate or prophetic purpose? Get you thinking, doesn't it? So to keep the commands. Now, I love this this verse four here in the mirror Bible. Listen to this. It says, to merely claim that you know him, like, yeah, I know Jesus, right? Based on your own academic or even sentimental interpretation of him and not upon the conclusion of his prophetic purpose unveiled in a heart, listen to this, that treasures his truth, is to what? Continue to live a life of pretense. Now what's pretense mean? It's basically putting on an act. It's pretending to be something you're not. So I want us to follow along with this because as we do, I I don't feel... Like, we will take this as a threat. I I believe that we'll see this as a promise. We'll see this as, okay, wait a minute. So what you're saying, John, is in order for us to see brothers and sisters who actually know you, there's going to be something about them that reflects the spirit of Christ. They will be keeping, or we could say cherishing or treasuring what he says. 
right? They, they, will, they will see the conclusion of why Jesus came to this earth and they will keep on keeping on with what Jesus has brought us. See, this is the beginning to hopefully, I believe, give us new insight into what keeping his commands means. Because a lot of times, I mean, you know how easy it would be, it really would, to just grab these verses and yell and scream at you for a little bit and tell you you better give more and you better show up to church more and you better go online more and you better study the Bible more and you better pray more and you better do more and volunteer more in all the departments, which right now is right here, but you know what I'm saying. Basically, our departments are back there. Let's give it up to the sound booth. And Rick, who came in today, dude, thanks, man. But you know, sometimes as pastors, it could be so easy to prepare a message rather than dig into it. Because when you read the English Bible for face value, just flatly, it's really hard to dig in. And we could read this and it could, I could come up with a sermon that could really bash you around a little bit and get you to do stuff and control you and manipulate you. But I don't want to do that. I, I love digging into what these words mean because it changes for us sometimes our paradigm. You know what happens? Repentance. Repentance means to change your mind. How many have had their mind changed about God quite often in the last several years? Changed about Jesus. How about this? How many have had their mind changed about themselves in the last several years? Isn't there freedom in that? And so I really want us to see what keeping his commands means. Hopefully it's bringing a sense of hope. Hopefully it's bringing a sense of life. It's, it's taking us away from the idea that this verse is a threat when really, in reality, it's a promise. So how is it that we can know that we know him? A lot of no's there, right? But how is it that we can know that we know him? Because how many want to know him? I do. I, I, I seek, I strive. I'm like, okay, I really want to know you. And sometimes like, just, just relax. I'm right here. But see, I want to know who he is and how he is. And I want my function in life to be from him. And that's really the desire, I believe, of every uh, one who follows Jesus. But here's the answer. By how we treasure the conclusion of his prophetic purpose. Did you catch that? In other words, what is the ultimate conclusion? Why did Jesus show up on planet earth? And look at what Jesus says in the gospel of John, chapter 15. I mean, he spells it out. Because John is just saying, listen, we will know that you know Jesus if you keep his commandments or his commands. And let's find out what that is. Look at this. Verse 12 of John chapter 15. This is Jesus speaking, so listen up. This isn't Pastor Andy. This is Jesus. This is my commandment. Say that with me. This is my commandment. How many remember that song? This is my commandment, that you love one another. That... Four of us. That's awesome. Maggie, you've been here for like 50 years along with me, so I get it. But look at this. Jesus said, this is my commandment. Listen up. We can say it like this. This is the conclusion of my prophetic purpose. Okay, what is it, Jesus? We're listening. Please tell us, Jesus, what is it? What is the goal? What is the end game to why you came to this earth and inhabited flesh? And here's the answer. That you love one another. Okay, Jesus, wait a minute. What? No, give me something, give me something deep. And look at, okay, it gets deeper. That you love one another just as I have loved you. It just got deep there because how many know you don't always love others like Jesus loved you? 
So, so there is a little struggle here. I'm not saying that it's easy, but everything is summed up in this love thing. Look what he goes on to explain. He, he goes on to define love, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Wow, Jesus. Wait a minute. You did that. You went to a cross and you laid your life down for your friends. And let me clue you in on something. I don't think that was just for the 12. I don't think that was just for the followers of Jesus. Because he was friends to two thieves who were crucified on either side of him. See, we see friendship different than Jesus does, don't we? Because Jesus had friendships with all the people that the religious establishment of the day said, nope, you don't belong. You're an outcast. So when we read this, we're like, oh yeah, I can love my friends. Hmm, what's Jesus' definition of friends? Because in Matthew chapter 5, he kind of spells out some things like, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Come on, Jesus, you're making this hard. But that's what love does. So I'm not saying it's easy, but look at this commandment. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. This is the greatest love that one lay down his life for his friends, and then Jesus did it. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to take a bullet for every person. Well, probably could only do it one time, right? But that you have to take a bullet for somebody. Sometimes it's as simple as, I really have plans to go and do this, but this person needs help right now. I had this bundle of money ready to go do this or buy this, but this person needs financial assistance right now. Sometimes that's laying down your life. And that's what we're called to do. All of us, I'm preaching to myself. Right, Pastor Andy? That's right. Amen. But look at this in verse 14. He says, you are my friends... Look at this. If you do what I command you. Now, again, when you hear this, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, so I'm not his friend if not? I want us to follow this. You're my friends if you do what I command you. Now, remember our definition of command. It's not like you better or else. It's like there's no other way in life to be fulfilled and to operate except in love. But look at this. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. This is real relationship, folks. For all things that I have heard, I want you to get this, from my father, say my father, I have made known to you. Now, this is what's cool about this. As as you're reading, you can just read right over, you can glaze right over that. But what is Jesus saying? He's saying, now I'm telling you, the most important thing to do is to love others as I loved you. Oh, and by the way, I got all this from dad. I say it quite often, but Jesus came to reveal the heart of the father to you. If you want to know what Jesus or what God is like, look to Jesus. And here's Jesus saying, love at all costs, give up your life if you have to. And God did on the cross. It's beautiful. Look at this, you, do not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. There's that bear fruit thing. And that your fruit would remain, why? So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Now listen to this, 17. If you still don't know what he's talking about, here it is. This I command you. 
In other words, this is the ultimate conclusion of why I manifest here on this earth and brought this message so you what? That you love one another. To me, this never gets old. I could talk about love every single Sunday. You know why? Because I'm not doing it in every facet of my life yet. Right? I mean, it's just, I'll be honest with you. There's plenty of times I'm not loving my wife like I should, or my kids like I should, or you like I should. It just, it happens. But Jesus says, this I command you. This is the ultimate conclusion of life, that you love one another. And he's not saying only those who prayed the prayer, only those who show up church at least three out of four Sundays a month, love one another. This is big. But when I read this, you know, I, mean, I can hear people going, come on, Jesus, I mean... I was waiting for something big. I mean, I want something deep. I want a heavy revy. Now, that's old, old language from back in the day saying I want big time revelation. I want something deep, Jesus. I want earth shattering enlightenment. See, this is what was happening in the church that John was writing. They were wanting more. Jesus is cool and his love things pretty cool. But man, there's just this, this knowledge that's out there, out there there and it's enlightening and I need it it has to be deeper but what is deeper than love when you're truly walking out love in life man people won't even recognize half of us right like what's wrong with you like who who are you and who took the real Andy but see it's it's allowing that that relationship I have that in Christness to work its way out so what you're saying, Jesus, is that ultimately, the ultimate conclusion, the, the end game here, is that we love one another? What the what? How is, how is that even deep enough? How is that even good enough? I thought there were these commands that you would give us, but Jesus says to keep my commands. This is how others will know that you truly know me. How? By your love for one another. In another portion of scripture, he says, they will know that you are mine or my disciples by your love for one another. The apostle Paul says, I can have all these accolades. I can speak with tongues of men and angels. I can move mountains, have such great faith. But if I don't have love, it means nothing. Everything I have is dung. If you really want to translate the word in English the right way, it would be a cuss word in church, and we won't say it today. But the Apostle Paul was saying it's all stuff. It doesn't measure up. It doesn't matter if love is not the foundation. Do you follow this so far? And so this, this isn't a threat from the Apostle John. He sees things going on in the church. He's like, guys, you're missing it. The one command of Jesus is to love one another. Because when you love one another, guess what? You'll make better choices in life. You won't choose sin over someone else. You won't choose the wrong action or words over the right things that you know to do in your heart of hearts. Am I making sense? And it's interesting, he says, love others as I have loved you. And for me, I, I, that, that brings a little bit of a, a gulp, like, okay. And I do believe I'm in a better place now than I was last year, two years ago, five years ago. But how many know we're on a journey? 
But he said, this is how people will know that you truly know me. Now, if I were to be brutally honest right now, which you know I'm never brutally honest, right? I think we as a church, not here necessarily and just us, but as a church corporately, the body of Christ, I believe that we have some growing to do. How about you? And and this isn't throwing the church under the bus. I really care about the body. I, I really care about the church. I believe that we have the answer. And that's us corporately, right? And what would happen if we truly knew him to the point where we were cherishing and treasuring this love thing that he commands us to? Something to think about. Because I'll be honest with you, there's times where I just, I look at humanity as a whole and sometimes it seems like people who wouldn't profess to go to church or be a Christian, sometimes their love level seems higher than the church. I'm just talking to you as family, right? Can I do that? I'm not, I'm not pointing anyone out. I'm just, that really bothers me. It bothers me when people are leaving the church I mean, the numbers are something like 8 million a year in the Western church in America. And I kind of get why. I mean, we veered so far from the teaching of Jesus. Can I just be honest with you? We veered so far from it that when people hear church or Christianity, they think, oh, the people that hate everyone except the ones that fit in their box. There's just, I have an issue with that. It's just not right. But see, when we know Jesus, we have intimate relationship with him, and others see that in us, they're like, wow, that person knows Jesus. I believe we can do it. So here's the question. (laughs) I know this sounds harsh. I actually, when I wrote this this morning, it was okay, but will you be a liar or a lover? It's a good question to ask, right? Now, when I say liar, I'm not saying you're a liar, right? Like when my kids and grandkids get in fights, everyone's a liar, right? But, but will you live out a false identity? Will you live out something that God hasn't called you to be, something he hasn't created you to be? Will you be a liar or a lover? We could say, will you live out a false life or a true identity? So, you know, for a lot of us, we just talked about this. We see keep, this word keep as do. But again, keeping is simply treasuring something with great attention. It's saying, wow, Jesus, you know, I, I'm really getting to know you. And, I, and I'm, I'm seeing just even through your life. I mean, I believe it was the Apostle John that said there wouldn't be enough books to contain everything that Jesus did. Is that right, Bruce? So we're just getting like a smidgen of the life of Jesus. But when I look at the life of Jesus, I don't see this this judgy guy who's angry with everyone. The only time I saw him angry or frustrated is when religion would try to hold people down and push them out. That's what fired up Jesus. Not the fact that the woman was caught in adultery or the fact that the guy was robbing his own people of tax money. He actually said to them, 
hey, I forgive you. Why? Because I don't want there to be anything, any separation, any feeling like you can't be in relationship with me. And he sat at their table and had meals with them, which in that time was breaking or cutting covenant, saying, I accept you right where you are. And the religious people had a big issue with that. And I I get it. I'm not trying to throw them under the bus either. Jesus welcomed everyone to his table. In fact, there were many Pharisees and religious leaders who followed Jesus. They saw the light, so to speak. But as we get to know Jesus, we get to this point, I believe, where we say, wow, Jesus, I'm getting to know you. I'm seeing your life. Holy Spirit, I'm just sensing your presence in my life. And when I look at that person, I see them differently now. I don't see them as other. I don't see a wall dividing us. I just see a person who has emotions and feelings and hurts and dreams and goals. Right? And I think it gets us to a place where we begin to walk in this love thing. And we begin to say, this isn't something I have to do. This is something that I cherish with great attention. Jesus, this love thing is clicking now. It's making sense to me. And I know on those days, Holy Spirit, show me when I'm off. But man, it's just... And I'll tell you, there's such peace and there's such fulfillment when you follow life this way. Do you know how much freedom there is for me that I can go in any room with any person of any religion, any theology, any lifestyle and sit with them and have conversations and love them where they are? It's freedom, man. Not worried that, what if they rubbed off on me? If you know Jesus, it's not going to change you. Most likely, Jesus, the Jesus in you, will change and soften their heart. And the Holy Spirit will deal with however he wants to deal with them. I'll tell you, that took pressure off too. When I realized that as a pastor, my job isn't to change everybody sitting in those seats. Wow, that is frustrating. If I could just get you all to be perfect, we'd be, we'd be awesome. Well, that's not going to happen probably. And, and, and my idea of perfection is probably different than what your idea of perfection is. So can you already see where the paradigms are different and we're, we're struggling? But when I can love you where you are, I can accept you where... I can even agree to disagree with your theology or your ideas or your politics, but still love you? Oh, come on. Freedom, freedom. I don't even know. Who sings that song? Is that a TV commercial? I don't, who just sang with me? <laughs> my buddy Pete got my back. But I really believe that in this process, Jesus is asking us questions like, how much do you value this relationship? How important is it that we have relationship where you really begin to know me? And how well do you know me? That's really the final question. How well do you know me? When you treat that person that way, do you know that I probably wouldn't? Or maybe you get to the point where you're like, Jesus, I'm, I'm treating this person like you would. This is so cool. I'm outside my box. I'm outside what would maybe be a comfort zone, and it's a new comfort zone now. It's actually loving people where they are. You know, it's the kindness of the Lord that draws men to repentance. 
It's not bullhorns and angry signs. Disciples never had angry signs. I'm messing maybe, but I'm just saying. You don't fear people into relationship with God. You love them into relationship with God. And that's what Jesus did. He was so kind. He was so generous. He was so gracious. He came to restore and to heal and he would, he would heal someone even physically. This blows my mind. Without them repenting of all their issues, he healed them. In fact, before he healed me, say, oh, by the way, your sins are all forgiven. Just want to let you know. Wait, 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 Jesus, you didn't die on the cross yet. What's going on? Well, wait, wait, I don't have to die on a cross to forgive people. I'm love. So he forgave them to wipe the slate clean so they could receive the goodness that he wanted to give to them. Think about that for a minute. Let's, let's move on here. Verses 5 and 6, 1 John chapter 2. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know what? That we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Who's he? Jesus. So again, you know, the insecure believer reads this as a conditional statement. I had better obey to earn my way into the kingdom. I have to walk like Jesus walked. And so then they, they get in fear and guilt and shame and they get the list down. They're like, I'm really trying, I'm really trying, I'm really trying. But that's not what the apostle John is saying here. Look at the passage again. John is saying this. I want you to, I want you to catch this. He's saying that the obedience, the keeping, the cherishing, right? Keeping these things, the obedience is a fruit, not the root. The root is knowing. The root is abiding. The root is relationship. And out of that relationship of love, guess what happens? Obedience flows out. Man, it's so much better than just, man, I remember, I mean, listen, I grew up in the church most of my life. And I remember just faking it till I made it. Well, guess what? I never made it as long as I faked it. But when I got real with God, when I got real with those that I'm accountable to and understood my heart and they had grace and love, but they could call me out on stuff because of their grace and love, I'll tell you, it brought me to a different place because it wasn't someone saying, you better or else. It was like, you're better than that. You've been built different than that. That's not who you truly are. Awaken to your true identity. Awaken, the apostles say, to your righteousness, right relationship. And when you do, the outflow of that is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's treating others right. It's walking in love. It's having grace towards people, even if they're not gracious. That's just how it works. It's a natural byproduct of being connected to Jesus, who is, by the way, the vine, and allowing him to live his life through you. Think about that. The love of God, he says, has truly been perfected. When we see that you are keeping, or I would say, Again, treasuring the ultimate conclusion of Jesus, that's when the love of God, listen to this, that's when the love of God has truly been perfected in your heart. How many know that that word perfect or perfected means mature or complete? Uh, Listen, we are all on a journey. Can I get an amen this morning? 
Facebook, can I get like, give me five amens. I want to see it in the comments later and I'll, I'll like it or something. But we're all on a journey, right? So along this journey, it just takes time to mature. It takes time to be perfected. It takes time to bring this love walk to completion. And for many, that takes a lifetime of growing. So give people a break sometimes. Step off sometimes. Pray for them. Love them where they are. We have, we've had to do this in relationships where it's like Holy Spirit said, don't you think they know everything that you're telling them? Everything that you're preaching at them? They know that. So back off, pray for them, and when you see them, love the heaven out of them. No, keep the heaven and love the hell out of them. Would that be the right way to say it? I, oh, sorry, buddy. I meant like, like the bad stuff. <laughs> okay, that's my son. He's keeping me in check. But here's my point. Here's my point. People have hell in them. They have things in them that, guess what? When we love them, it brings that out. We don't want to love the heaven out, right? We want to keep that in. Heaven's in them. And so it's in those moments that we love them, and it helps them be a better person. But do you notice this? It's not our love for God that he's talking about, but the love of God that is perfected. Big difference. Because I used to think that, okay, how big and how good is my love for God? Because I'm really trying to have this love for God. But what he's saying is, no, it's the love of God that's perfected in your heart. Isn't that awesome? So how would the love of God become complete or mature? Through relationship. It's through friendship with God. It's through time spent together. That's why I think it's important to have prayer time. That's why I think it's important. And again, I know we have busy days and prayer isn't just something you do, you know, off and away. Uh, I mean, I talk to my father all the time, but there are definitely times in my life where I'm so busy that I just can't find that time. But I would say, try to if you can. Because when I have those moments of peace and silence, it's easier to hear his voice at times. How many have realized that? And so that's important. Spending time together and loving others just as I have loved them. That's what Jesus is asking us. So can we see how these scriptures aren't threatening? Can you see that this morning? This isn't a threat that you must keep my commands. Now listen, when you keep and you cherish the things that he's said to walk in, which mainly is love, oh man, it'll benefit your life. So it's definitely great for you. It's, it's definitely good for you. But they're a promise, I believe, as to what is already contained within us. We are lovers. We are built to love. The very essence of love resides on the inside of us. Think about that. So anytime we walk a life that's devoid of love, I believe it shows how much the love of God has not matured within us. And so again, here's this question. Will you be a liar or a lover? Will you walk out this false life that really isn't you? Or will you walk out a true life that God has brought you to and brought you into? Amen? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your love toward us. I know uh, many times that we can struggle to really see who we are. But I know, Holy Spirit, that you're always speaking to us. You promise to never leave us and never forsake us. 
And so I thank you that you're always reminding us. You're always, you're in the business of convincing us of who we truly are. I pray that these words today were understood and that people understood them. If I said anything out of line, I just pray that you forgive me and anyone would forgive me. But the bottom line is this, you love us, you care for us, you want us to awaken. The apostle John, he just, he had this fire in his bones. He, he knew you, he walked with you, he talked with you, he had relationship with you. He knew who you were. And because of that, he saw these false things that were coming into the church. They were infiltrating the church and they were taking us off task. And I even see that today in the church corporately us as the church that we sometimes we just we fall off task we forget that the basis of everything in the kingdom is love and so I pray this morning that for any of us who are here listening or anyone online listening that we're awakening to this purpose we have in life and we're becoming the best versions of ourselves in you Christ that we are learning to love even the unlovely. We just seem to be in a society that is just such division. I pray that the church would stand up in the midst of this and say no, no to division. We begin to accept people where they are. We would introduce them to this life in Christ that's already been offered freely. It's, it's just there. It's, it's waiting. Awaken to your righteousness. I pray that we would be the change agents to this world. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and grace. And thank you for your calling on my life. I pray that if there's any area in my heart where I see people in a wrong way, show that to me. Restore my vision for the lost. Restore my vision for others. Let me be a change agent. So heal those things in my life and I pray that in that, I'll discover my purpose. And the bottom line is to love others as you have loved me. Say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. 